This is Getting Stoned. It's a podcast about gems and minerals, and I am not your host. This is Getting Stoned, a podcast about all things gems and minerals, and I am your host, Donna Kreider. On today's episode, we have a very special guest. Thank you, Elon Musk, for joining me. All right, so Elon, I always find it inspiring when you talk about the uh, light of consciousness. So what does the light of consciousness mean to you? The best of our knowledge. Um, the the only sort of uh, conscious life that we're aware of is on Earth. Um, conscious in the sense of at least thinking that uh, it has uh, self awareness. Like we, I mean, I think of that self. I think mm-hmm. I think that's where I am, or whatever. You know, Descartes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, the, you know, there's, 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 we've not even found. found microbial life in the rest of the solar system now but it's possible that we may find um microbial life or something maybe even sea life uh under the ice of europa that's you know an, an, an interesting open question mark um, but at least thus far we've seen no no signs of life whatsoever not even microbial outside of earth and uh uh according to um geological record uh, as best science as, can, can, as best as science can determine, Earth is about four and a half billion years old. The universe is about thirteen point eight billion years old. But this, is, this suggests that, um, like, like it, it's odd that there's not. If, if the universe is this old, if, if, if um, the solar system is this old, it's odd that only now, mm-hmm. um, very recently, uh, have has life evolved that can can talk and write and communicate ideas. Uh, in a you know, sophisticated way, and only now have has uh, civilization gotten to the point where it is possible to send uh, life to uh, another planet, or obviously we sent people to the moon. Although it's been a while <laughs> since we landed that, um, a lot of people think moon landings are fake. They're, they're, not, they're not fake. I just want to be clear. I don't think they're fake. <laughs> they say, yeah, this is a remarkable number of people who do that. And I'm like, oh, man, they're not fake. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, They've actually brought back some cool minerals from the moon, and okay. I kind of have one in my collection. Yeah, I, have a, I actually have a, sl- um, a slice of a, of a moon, a, a meteor, a, a chunk of moon that cool. was where, where that, a, a meteor hit the moon, smashed a bunch of moon rocks, and some of the moon rocks landed on Earth, and I've got a, a segment of, of one of them. Yeah, the uh, Apollo mission brought back some tranquilityite, and up until 2011, um, it's called that because of the Sea of Tranquility. Yeah, and there was none found on Earth, and then in 2011, some deposits were found in Australia. So I have um, a friend of mine sent me uh, some deposits, and it broke. Oh yeah, and so it, it had big chunk and two little pieces. So I made the other two little pieces into uh, art. So. Well, but, I mean, it's crazy how old the rock is, you know? Yeah, it's like billions of years. And that Shanghai I just gave you, that's over 2 billion years old. They have, there's that's no, a long no, time, you know? There's no source. Don't they don't know where it came from. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, in con, I mean, just, uh, it, it's hard to even, you can't, you can't wrap your mind around, you know, that kind of time, time scale. Yeah. Billion, a billion years. I mean, yeah. we're, I mean, our lifespans are a flash in the pan. That's true. Just a, I mean, just a, like that. Yeah, well, you know, shorter than a flash in the pan <laughs> compared to the galactic time scales. Um, so, so, so I don't know. There, there's much things that one one could therefore say, uh, or, or or at least um, appear to be likely, which is that it, appear, it appears that uh, consciousness is rare. 
um, and it takes a long time for it to arise. And um, and and so uh, and and we like I said, to the best of my knowledge, we, we are alone. And so we have to accept the possibility that um, that we may, we may be it, um, at least in this sector of the galaxy or or in Milky Way, perhaps. Um, and and if we're it, and and this is this is the only little candle in a vast darkness of, mm-hmm. of you know the only little light of consciousness that got us lit, <laughs> <laughs> um, then we should really try to make sure uh, that can that light does not go out. Um, and we can't take it for granted that it won't. Um, so we want to try to make it last as long as possible. And, um, and I think we also want to try to understand the nature of the universe, meaning of life, where is it going, you know, what, what does the future hold? Just find out what's going on in the universe, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so the, so that means like the more that we can expand the the scope and scale of consciousness, uh, the more we're likely to understand the fundamental questions around the meaning of life and nature of the universe. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a good goal to, to have. Um, and and, and so it's a goal that I think can unite humanity, um, you know, because it's, it's a common goal, um, as opposed to sort of infighting and you know, I want this people. <laughs> I say, I want this piece of land. No, I want this piece of land. I'm like, uh, you know, there's a lot of land out there. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of there's planets true. with nothing. You know, yeah. how about those ones? <laughs> yeah. Why fight over the little pieces when there's entire planets out there? You yeah. know, and solar systems and stuff. So, um, so I think it is. It is a. It, it is a sort of. I, I think it is a. Um, a philosophy that uh, withstands uh, reason, meaning like it's. I think there's there's a solid reasoning basis for it it's it's really just a philosophy of curiosity mm-hmm. i would call it so so, so that uh, and it's also exciting you know if, if you think like uh, i mean it, there have to be reasons uh when you wake up in the morning that you're excited to be alive and you look forward to the future and it can't just be solving one sad problem after another you know that's mm-hmm. what what the hell Point, there's no point right. to like that. I agree and, and, with you yeah. on that. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question about that later on down the road, um, about your stance on that. Um, but I mean, there's always problems, you know. But yeah. we gotta have we gotta have some, you know, things that were inspired that, that are inspiring and exciting as too. Yes. I'm not saying we shouldn't solve problems. We should, mm-hmm. but we also need uh, positive things. Yeah. You know, uh, and I think people just get sad if it's just one problem after another. Mm-hmm. And um, it is, and and, mm-hmm. and and the way the media works is, I mean, honestly, like you read the newspaper. Uh, most of the time, newspaper is trying to answer the question, "What is the worst thing that happened on Earth today?" <laughs> it, it is like that. It's like, yeah, and, they... and it's a big planet, you know. So something really bad is happening somewhere on Earth because it's eight billion people. So you've got to like, it's like obviously something bad's gonna be happening on every given day. You've got eight billion opportunities for that, yeah. um, and so that's just. You know, um, and and the, like the way we've we've actually evolved, I think, is to respond more to negative news than to positive news. In the sense that, um, if, if 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 there's like a physical danger, like let's say you need to like remember, oh, that's where the lion is. Don't that's you know that's don't go there. <laughs> that that's very important. But it's it's but you say like, and I also found this place where there's some delicious berries. The delicious berries are nice to have. Mm-hmm. Not getting eaten by lion, uh, for, uh, essential. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's why you know we, I think we 
we, we sorry, tend to tend to remember or, or respond to negative stuff more than positive because uh, negative stuff historically could be, uh, you know, physically the end of us. Um, like we get game over versus sort of nice to have stuff. So I think that's there's this kind of like an inherent evolutionary bias towards negative news. Um, but the thing is that negative news now is that we get news from all around the world that can't possibly affect us or, or are very unlikely to affect us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's bad for you know wherever it was in the world that that had the natural disaster or, uh, and so forth. But but it's not it's, it actually doesn't affect us directly. Um, but but we, we we get the news from far away that doesn't affect us directly. But still makes us sad. <laughs> yeah, and that does have an effect on you because then you can't focus on what you need to focus on. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So back. Uh, so my next question. So if the worst case were to happen, if community humanity goes extinct, um, do you think the light of consciousness itself would die, or do you think it would evolve into something else? Given enough time, humanity will go extinct. Because um, the counterpoint will be will, uh, humanity will live forever, and I think that's just unlikely. Um, but we can live for a very long time, or humanity can live for a very long time, um, and we should try to make that time as long as possible. Um, as to whether there will be some other form of consciousness that evolves after humanity, I, I hope so, um, but we don't know for sure. And I think we want to, we should, we should, you know, it would be wise to, to not not to just assume that oh, they'll, uh, if, if we're gone, that they'll. they'll you know, in the future, be some other form of consciousness. Um, it maybe, maybe not. Um, like I said, it's, it, it's one, Earth one half billion years old. Um, the sun is slowly expanding. As the sun expands, um, those over millions of years, mm-hmm. um, the temperature on Earth will rise, and eventually, the sun will engulf Earth, and, and everything everything will be incinerated. Um, now, the you know the, the, that that is you know. There's, there's different different schools of thought here, but the the, the sun may if, if the sun may if the thing, things may get hot enough uh, on Earth um, within maybe 500 million years uh, where Earth may be un, uninhabitable. It's, it's, you know that's sort of um, a combination of the various cycles of Earth because because on a very geological time scale, Earth um, um, actually, has has gone through snowball phases and and and, and sort of very hot phases. If, and if you have a very hot phase of Earth combined with the sun expanding, that 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 could really be a, a mass extinction event. And, and one of the things, like for for an Earth timing standpoint, five hundred million years would only be ten percent longer than Earth has existed thus far. And so, if if therefore if if Consciousness or civilization had taken ten percent longer to evolve; it wouldn't have evolved at all. Yeah. So, at, at, at a, on a large time scale, we're, we're kind of making it just. We're actually pretty. Cl- we, we kind of got got here just in time, not. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so. Okay. Yeah. I wonder how it actually evolved. Like it just poofed, come out of nowhere. I don't know. What the, the uh, consciousness like itself, like it just kind of um, popped up. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. things started out as hydrogen and then got more complex, and and yeah. and uh, you know, basically, if you leave hydrogen out in the sun long enough, it starts talking. 
Yeah. Happy Thank God. <laughs> yeah. So, what qualities are you looking for in a person who would want to make the first human man trip to Mars? Well, first of all, I think it's very important to emphasize that what really matters is uh, getting a lot of people to Mars and um, and enough equipment to make a city self-sustaining. Um, I mean, certainly whoever's there first, I suppose, will be famous, but it's that's not what's important from a civilizational standpoint. Uh, what we actually need is uh, to um, make a self-sustaining city on Mars. Um, that That's the critical threshold, um, and we need to do that while civilization still has the ability to do so, um, and that ability to do so could uh, end for a number, it could, could end because of World War Three. it could end uh, because civilization just gradually peters out um the 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 arc of civilizations like the in the of the various sort of civilizations that have been on earth they they've, they've not had a sort of continuous upward trajectory they they they, they rose they peaked and they fell mm, it's um, like a cycle of that yeah the ancient sumerians are no longer the ancient egyptians no longer um the you know so the romans yeah exactly yeah. um so the there's there's just many civilizations that have risen and fallen in the Mayans, you know, and they had really quite an incredible uh, network of cities. It was very, very amazing, yeah. actually. Um, and um, so, and, and now, now they're just mostly just under jungle and, and earth. Yeah. So, um, I, like, think I, I think we just don't want to take it for granted. Like, like I think people sort of have lived, lived at a period of time where civilization, from mm-hmm. from a technology standpoint, has been has been increasing, and so they just naturally assume that's just how. It, that's how that's how it is. It'll just always increase. It's essentially, what I'm saying is the, like I'm trying to say that that we should approach making life multiplanetary with a sense of urgency, um, and to do so while we can, while you know, and that, because this is, the, this is the first time that the window of opportunity has been open for life to become multiplanetary, and it that window may be open for a long time or a short time, but I think it would be wise for us to assume it will be open for a short time and take action now. Um, now, from a resource standpoint, sometimes people think, oh, well, is this going to take all the resources of Earth? No, I, what I'm suggesting is that we spend less than 1% of our resources, mm-hmm. um, or maybe on that order, on making life multiplanetary and, assume, and, and preserving the, the future of life, not just for humans, but for all you know, life on Earth. Because we are, in, in, in bringing life to Mars, we would be life's steward. We, we would be the t- caretaker of, of life. Um, and so, you know, the the... Other creatures can't build spaceships, and <laughs> we can't. So, I know, my cats can <laughs> so you would not believe what my cats can do. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, it's like a no. I kind of think we've got a responsibility to protect the the rest of the the, the you know yeah. the, the creatures on Earth too. I agree. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I think we should just do that. And I think a, a reasonable thing would be, like I said, about a one percent of, of of our resources. We'll call it ninety nine for Earth problems, but I think one percent mm-hmm. for Making life multiplanetary and uh, ensuring the long-term survival of consciousness and life as we know it is is worth one percent of resources, I think. And that, that's the that's the that's the that's the you know what I would propose to the people of Earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, and then of course we, we still need to make sure things are good on Earth. Of course, we're not like oh let's abandon Earth and run. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, 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 so sometimes people are like are you just gonna let Earth go to the, go to hell. I'm like, no, uh, we we need to make everything we can to make Earth good.
like Tesla's goal is to is to help make ensure a good future for Earth, and then SpaceX's goal is to um, uh, make life multiplanetary and and you know ensure the long term survival of consciousness. Those are awesome goals. Yeah. Yeah. So, what one's one? Yeah. Happiness. Yeah. I think another thing is just increasing the happiness. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, in fact, if, if, totally. So, so I mean, I've some, you know, I've mostly talked about the defensive reasons for, you know, like the protective reasons for making life multiplanetary. But I think it's also, I think, I think things that if you say like what actually gets me most, the most uh, excited and fired up, it's actually the sense of adventure and and possibility, um, and the, uh, it's just it'd just be the, the greatest adventure ever, um, and it would be exciting and inspiring to see it happen. Well, what you've done, um, what you and SpaceX have done in Ukraine um, with the Starlink, it, it inspires a lot of deep respect. You know, you've also helped St. Charles Parish and my state, and my state, you know, after Hurricane Ida, as well as the village of Tatanga. So um, what role do you see Starlink playing in regards of disaster relief? Because we're going to have a lot of disasters. They're predicting more hurricanes for my area, actually, this year. Sure. Well, just in general, Starlink, because it is... Um not dependent on any ground-based infrastructure, uh, can pr provide uh, internet connectivity to uh, areas that have had um, floods or fires or earthquakes mm. um, and that, that have destroyed the, the ground-based infrastructure. Um, so that's that's obviously extremely helpful for rescuing people um, and, um, you know, knowing where, you know, like if, if just, just people being able to, you know, uh, say I need to, I need help, I need rescue. Like, how do you, how do you find them? How do you communicate with them? And, and Starlink can, can has provided that in, in a number of situations. Yeah. So when we had um, Ida, um, my power was out for a week. There was actually when the hurricane hit, um, the communications of Southeast Louisiana was completely wiped out, and we were using I forgot the name of the app, but the Cajun neighbor uses this app to rescue people when they go um, because they would go from place to place to place. Yeah. Um. And it just kind of made me think of that, you know, Starlink, I think, would definitely help like organizations like Cajun Navy, as well as others, just to kind of be able to communicate better, especially with government. Um, and not just in my area, but other areas, too. So, but yeah, it's really awesome with that. It would be cool to see something like that on a more um, installed on your phone, too, as well as, you know, Internet, you know, to keep people connected. I think it's interesting, like, like certainly um, <clears throat> uh, one's phone is is capable of behaving at least as a short-range walkie-talkie, uh, even if it's not connected to the internet in any way. You, know, you can just do, basically create a Wi-Fi bridge. Maybe that's, is, is that what you're talking about? Or? Yeah, or just somewhere to help people stay connected. Like, you know, if you're having a disaster and you call somebody, usually you get like a... Um, well, well, during Hurricane Rita, um, I wasn't really badly affected by Rita, but I had people telling me, oh, we get this error message. Um, you've been, you're in a disaster zone or you're in some kind of um, zone where, you know, this person's impacted by disaster, so they can't, like, the, the call's not going through. I had people telling me that. Um, that was back in 05, though. Oh, it's um, a long time ago. Yeah, but just, I don't know, something, you know, just to keep people connected during the disasters. So, like, you, you don't have to worry about a friend is missing you know, and they can call and say, hey, I'm okay, power's out, we're, you know, conserving batteries. But um, but speaking of uh, disasters, um, the Musk Foundation um, has done a lot of good work. 
um, in about a month or so ago, I made this really long list. Yeah. Um, you saw it. It was like, I, I got tired. <laughs> I, I, like, I was adding and adding and adding to that list, and it kept on growing. Um, just how much good work you guys are doing. And um, so what you did also for Lake Charles in southwest Louisiana, um, especially after Laura impacted that area, was really phenomenal. And, and it saved lives. Cool. Um, Great. But how do you see the Musk Foundation itself helping charities, especially toward um, disaster relief, within the next few years as the effects of climate change continue to kind of get worse? Well, um, I mean, we, we try we to part with the foundation to give away money in ways that are uh, actually useful, whether it's like, you know, maximum number of cents on the dollar of, of, of actually helping the people in need. Uh, it's it's way harder to give away money than you think if, if you care about it actually doing good as opposed to sounding like it does good. Mm-hmm. You know? um, it's easy to make it sound like it looks, it, mm-hmm. money's doing good, but it's hard to make it actually do good. Um, I can't tell you. It's, it's insanely hard. Um, so we're actually just, we're just building up more personnel within the foundation to be more direct um, and and uh, and go through few, like fewer sort of intermediaries and kind of middle entities um so we can be more um you know you know have have more the shortest path to helping people in need um so but i have to say it's it's it's, <laughs> it's way harder than you'd think to, to give away money effectively um and but that, that's what we're trying to do yeah and would you consider um grants that help organizations that also focus on disaster relief uh, yeah, no, we we do we do provide yeah. grants to organizations yeah. that that work on disaster relief. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so last year you donated a um, hundred million dollars for X Prize for the competition to fight climate change, and so far about twenty million of that has been distributed to winners. On Earth Day, they announced um, uh, that you, the foundation, awarded fifteen million dollars and to winners in four categories: that's air, land, ocean, and rocks. Which of these four categories do you feel needs the most work, the most impact, help? Well, I mean, the long-term problem is is saying, okay, we, we, we need to get the parts per million level of CO2 in the atmosphere, primarily in the atmosphere, down to a lower level. Um, we're going to have to pull it out of the air um, and store it somewhere. And I think probably storing it in some in some solid form is going to make sense um you know in a form that that you know if, after you store it it doesn't gradually sort of evaporate and, and, and return to the atmosphere or, or, or somehow but you know uh, it needs to be um it's, it's a, the the you, you've got to extract the co2 and store it that's that's a pretty yeah. tough you know so um and 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 it's going to take a fair bit of energy to do that, uh, and so, so that energy obviously has to be provided by a, a re- renewable or sustainable means like solar and wind, um, or, or geothermal. I'm actually pro nuclear as well. Like I think nuclear has a bad rap, and it's uh, people really shouldn't be shutting down nuclear power stations, in my view, it, unless they're in like a, a location that's prone to natural disasters. In yeah. which case. You know, you don't. You don't like, want a hurricane to hit. You, you know what? So you know, like you can't be just always waiting for the real, but once in a century situation, and you don't then want that to happen. Yeah. Um, 
you know, like the Fukushima situation was like, well, you know, was, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of tsunamis and, and stuff. Yeah. And so it's probably not great to have uh, nuclear where, where there's, you know, uh, natural disasters. But for example, in like France and Germany, um, many parts of the U.S., there's, there's really no meaningful risk of uh, mm-hmm. of a natural disaster that could affect a nuclear power plant. So it's not, we shouldn't shut them down in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, but I think it's primarily solar, uh, solar and wind. Um, as you can see, and then you know, it's like figuring out what is the, uh, the, the what takes the least amount of resources to uh, convert to, to take the CO two from the atmosphere and bind it in a form that can be stored. Um, yeah, so that's what the competition is about. And you know, when you said um, bringing the um, taking the carbon out there and storing it, you just made me think. And I didn't add this on the questions, but you just reminded me. Um, there's a there's a really cool company called Project Vestas. I think it's the name of it. Um, they take peridot. They're trying to use uh, peridot to do that. And then there's um, other different lime, diamond companies that are making lab-grown diamonds with the air, um, with the carbon in the air. Like they're taking the carbon out the air and making gemstones with it. That's cool. Uh, that, that is cool. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a very – I'm not sure that scales. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it scales, <laughs> but it is cool to think about, like, you know, this diamond. Yeah, that's, that's carbon. That's not going in the air. It's going in your ring. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that takes a lot of energy, uh, yeah. to be frank. But uh, so I'm not, I, yeah, I did. but yeah, so cool. Yeah. So would you consider having another expert? Like when this competition closes and the full 100 million is given out, would you consider doing another one? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm like I said, I'm in favor of, of anything that anywhere with where the money, where money can be spent that does real good. Um, and we're constantly looking for, you know, things that we think will be you know highly effective ways to spend money uh for general social good and um what is what accomplishments that has the most foundation achieved that you're the most proudest like what makes you feel warm inside that you know that makes you feel like you're doing good i mean i really don't think we we've done enough to to uh you know at least at this stage i don't think we've done enough to to be uh you know, singing our own praises here. Um, yeah. I mean, there was an education X Prize that that I've, my foundation funded, mm-hmm. um, and it was or a, a, basically a, a, to figure out the best way to improve literacy. So it was for, um, the, the, I, and I think that was that was cool, and I think that did some good. Um, you know, if, to the degree that one can improve liter- literacy. Um, then you're you know essentially improving everything about a any a given society because they can now you know learn new learn skills learn learn things if you can't read <laughs> basically yeah. you're mm-hmm. it's hard it's hard it's hard to make it's it's hard to say sort of lift someone out of poverty poverty if they can't read so yeah you gotta read um, I actually have neighbors that can't read and okay. they're like older than me and they just can't read or write and I'm like you know that's how, my mom taught me when I was three how to read. I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I don't know, like the idea of being unable to read that terrifies me. And we do need more literacy. Yeah. So we so we had like a, a also with the X Prize Foundation uh, literacy X Prize and to to figure out like what what's the best soft software that you could have on like a low cost uh, sort of kind of Android tablet type of thing. Um, you know. Uh, that that is most effective at teaching people to read. So that uh, I guess probably that's that's probably the best thing we've done so far. 
That's awesome. Yeah, you, you're doing a lot of good work with the Must Foundation. Yeah, you've helped a lot of people, especially in my community. So um, I think Starlink will have a really positive effect on, you know, improving um, sort of people's uh, uh, income and stuff and, and uh, improving the standard of living because uh, for a lot of people, they, 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 a large portion of the world does not have internet connectivity or if it, they do, it's and it's it's very bad and, and extremely expensive, mm-hmm. um, and um, where where Starlink uh, can provide connectivity for like, you know, sort of a, a whole village of like two hundred people type of thing, um, and then it's like, you know, in that case it would be like you know, fifty cents a month per person. I think that's pretty that's, affordable. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. really affordable. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So um, the declining birth rate, you often talk about this problem. It is a real problem. It really is. But there's another problem I think is playing a major role, and um, and that's poverty. Um, so what um, what actions do you think need to be taken towards solving poverty that would kind of help it relieve some of that issues with the birth, uh, declining birth rate? Well, the, the declining birth rate, um, it's, it's somewhat counterintuitive, but... Uh, generally, the uh, wealthier uh, someone is, the fewer kids they have. I, I'm an exception, mm-hmm. uh, but it's quite rare. Um, so it, it's it's um, the basically the, the higher the education level and the, um, the the wealthier people are, the fewer kids they have. So it's not a money thing. Yeah. Um, it's it's a. In fact, it seems the opposite. Like more money that that someone has, the fewer kids they have. So. Um, and, and you know somebody who's sort of um, you know sort of living at, at like a twenty twenty two standard of of what's considered you know at the at the part, sort of poverty level would be really uh, I mean they they would have they have access to to things that the richest person didn't have like a hundred years ago you know so. I just know that, um, like, when I was, I, you know, I've been homeless before working two jobs. Yeah. And I don't know, the idea of having a kid would terrify me, especially if you're not stable, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, like, you know, those problems that contribute to that, um, that, and you can't just, like, throw money at it and solve it. And I always tell people that, you know, you can't just, like, okay, here's $100 million, go, go in homelessness. You can't just do that because you got, there's a lot of trauma involved. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of mental healing involved. There's a lot of... I think trauma is the number one cause of homelessness just from my experience of it because I've seen what it does firsthand, you know, and I've experienced it, what it, what it does. So, I mean, you know, it's just poverty. I don't know. I don't want to call it insolvable, but that's why I was asking because like what ideas do you have that could help, you know, point some kind of solution, some kind of solution out there? Well, like I said, yeah, I mean, Literacy and access to the internet, I think, are fundamentally helpful. Um, but they got to think beyond the United States. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, there's a lot of like I said, there's billions of people who have no internet cognitive at all, nothing, um, or or it's like very low bandwidth and ex- insanely expensive. That's like the for many parts of the world, this is the case. Uh, like I said, billions of people. So um, the you know, so I think those things are helpful. Um, I mean, generally, education obviously is good. Um, and I, I mean, to, the, the, these days, if, if 
you, you can learn almost anything online. So uh, like MIT, for example, has all of their lectures online um, and a number of other universities do. Um, and um, so you, you could kind of, if, actually, if you want, if you want to, you could learn almost anything uh, for, for at, at, at a very low, very low cost. I mean, just mm-hmm. using a simple sort of, you know, I like it. Like like, an an, an uh, a phone or yeah, uh, an old tablet. Uh, you know, for hundred bucks, basically. Yeah. And, 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 like it's <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can just you've got access to all the world's information. So, you know, I, I think I think that's, you know, and I think this maybe this this fact is really um, underappreciated and and people it's it's something we should be, I think, pretty excited and optimistic about or feel good about, which is. That information before the internet was uh, very limited. If you wanted to learn uh, a skill or trade or learn it, learn something, um, you you would have to go to a school um, and you'd have to get get the specific books, or you'd have to go to a library, and that library wouldn't necessarily have all the books that you'd want. Um, and or maybe there isn't a library; there might not be a library near near where you live. Um, so, but, but with the internet, you've got uh, instant access to basically all the world's information, um, and and so um, information equality is really incredible compared to where where it used to be. Um, especially if you go back, say you know a few hundred years or three, like say, let's say go back three three four hundred years, um, there weren't public libraries, uh, or there were very few public li- libraries, and 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 books were things that only a few percent of the population actually even had a book. Um, and then, then the, and then the, the, the book collection would be very small. Um, so, and then before the Gutenberg printing press, uh, books were like a insanely rare. Yeah. Um, so if you look at say how, how has information access to information, quality of quality of access to information improved over time, it's insane how much better it was than, than the past. Yeah. So, um, I can imagine not having books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, and, and you know, with 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 Google, you've got like this sort of magic article that can like answer, you know, almost any question. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've learned a lot <laughs> on Google, especially um, whenever I find I go to gem and mineral shows from time to time. I'm always finding something. I'm like, what is that? Having to Google that and. Um, yeah, Google teaches really well. Um, do you have any other thoughts or ideas on how to reverse population decline? Well, the population decline problem, <clears throat> I think, is possibly the, the biggest risk to civilization. It's certainly one of the biggest risks. Um, uh, first of all, I think people really need to, a lot of people think that there's too many humans on the planet and the planet can't sustain this number of humans. This is absolutely not true. We could double the population without mm-hmm. a- any. Uh, uh, meaningful damage to the environment. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Earth, uh, you, you can put <clears throat> all the humans on Earth in this on, in the city of New York. Um, that that's the, that's the cross-sectional area of humans. They get the foot in, they literally fit the city of New York with on on one floor. You don't even need high rises. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you if, if you're on a plane flight and you look down and you say, what percentage of the time uh, am I? If I were to drop a, a, a ball that would that where that ball would hit a person basically zero um 
even in a city like like LA, uh, which you think, oh, that's a crowded city, but um, so like, looking at it from above, what's the cross-sectional area of humans relative to the, the rest of the ground? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, much less than one percent, in, even in LA. So we we sort of if you're in a big city environment and you see, you see a lot of people, you sort of oh, that's there must be you sort of extrapolate that to everywhere. But it, it's it's actually very rare to see a concentration of humans. So uh, humans, this is very Earth is very sparsely populated with humans. Uh, there's not enough humans, far from being too many. Um, and um, and I think people people are still sort of um, are operating on the assumption that the population is growing like crazy, when in fact the opposite is occurring. Um, and and these numbers are easy to look up. I mean, they're just on the internet. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and uh, we had the lowest birth rate um, in recorded history uh, last year. Wow. Yeah, I saw the statistics on your Twitter account. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. even see all your tweets half the time. Like, and I follow you. You know, that's the crazy part. Like, I'll look at your tweets. and Even then, if you have the, like, the latest tweets, you know, because you've yeah. got to switch between yeah, algorithm and later. Yeah. I do switch. I do switch. I'm totally on Twitter. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm everything bad. Yes. <laughs> Search ghost ban, search bus. Yeah, the shadow banning. Yeah, shadow banning is like crazy. It's really bad. What the heck's going on? It's like I don't know. I I tweet really nice things. Yeah, I mean exactly. You you you're like a hate monger. She she got shadow banned. The furthest thing from you're obviously a super nice person. So what what the heck are they doing? She replied to me with a heart and got shadow banned over a heart. And it wasn't a heart. No, it was Kristen. It was somebody. Somebody. One of my friends. I think it was you or Kristen. Um, they they replied to me with something really nice, a heart, and they got shadow banned. It and they had me. a leak. Yes. Oh, it was you. It's lots of lots of love. Yeah, and it really sounds like like someone on Twitter is doing something shady. I mean, yeah, or that, that's I'm not sure. that's not not cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, whoever's doing that on Twitter, shame on you. Right. <laughs> yeah, y'all need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> that's not cool. Yeah. Don't shadow ban Gail. <laughs> yeah, that's like she's awesome. To- totally messed up. <laughs> All right, so let's talk Tesla. Um, there's been a quite a lot of bills that have been kind of like anti-EV or anti-Tesla going through, put through state governments. Um, some of them went through. I don't know if they – I haven't really followed up with that. But um, it seems like the goal is that they want to prevent Tesla from doing business. They want to shut down the service centers and just stop Tesla from serving its customers. And most of these bills have been um, introduced either by dealer associations or former dealerships who sure. are like Congress – so what are your thoughts on how um, dealerships are trying to preserve their way of life instead of evolving with the market and the times? Like, what's well, your 2.5? Yeah, it's to be, it's to be expected that uh, yeah, incumbents will oppose uh, new entrants to a market. Um, and they, they're, you know, if, if they can't win a fair fight, they'll try to unfair fight. So I think we'll continue to see uh, opposition to Tesla. Um, and um, you know, but I, I think at the end of the day, if, if we have the, the people on our side and, and um, we've got a customer supporting us, I think with customer support or with, with you know Tesla owner support, I think uh, I think we'll win most of the battles. We're not going to win them all, probably, but we'll win most of them. You wanted to say something? You got a question? No, I'm okay. just agreeing. Oh, I do. <laughs> I think once once people yeah. experience the product, whether it's power storage yeah. or 
a force of vehicles. Tesla's are cool. Um, the Plaid event, like the reaction. When I went to the Plaid event last year, and then when I flew home, taking off in a flight is nothing compared to the launch in the Plaid. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's super fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really designed to be. What's the most amount of fun you can have in a car? Yeah, it's amazing. Well, you did a good job. Yeah, yeah. you and the team did a good yeah, job. Yeah, exactly. We have an awesome team. Yeah. So Tesla insurance is making a difference for the customers who switched, and you're in several states now. I think it's eight or nine. And um, Louisiana has the highest average cost of car insurance in the nation. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we're we're always either in the highest of the worst or the lowest in the best. It's I don't know. <laughs> okay. It's Louisiana for you, but um, all right. But when will um, Tesla insurance expand to all fifty states in Canada, and um, when will Louisiana get it? Well, so the the, the, the insurance is reg regulated uh, primarily at the state level, so mm -hmm. it's a state by state thing. And um, the you have to so you have to, have to jump, jump through a lot of hoops in every state, and those hoops take a long time to jump. Like there's you have to do, <laughs> there's so many things you have to do. Uh, like there's a lot of barriers to entry, basically. And and I like some of these barriers to entry are like legit. You know, you can't have like some shady insurance company. But then I think some of these regulations are there to protect the existing insurers and and stop new entrants. Mm -hmm. um, so they, but generally it's 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 a it's a very slow process uh, of of getting uh, sort of the various licenses in the, in in uh, all the states, and, and every state is different. So yeah. it's a it's um paperwork insanity. Um, so we're expanding as as quickly as we can, um, and I'm not sure I'm not sure about Louisiana, um, but uh, we, we are. Eventually, we intend to be in in all states and and and, and Canada and and hopefully the world. Yeah. So. Yeah, we have the craziest drivers in Louisiana. Yeah. Well, the thing about Tesla insurance is like we it's it's kind of real time feedback. So mm -hmm. um, you can the, the the more the safer you drive, the lower your insurance rate. Um, and um, that that's I think quite a revolution in insurance. Um, and it also will allow people who. Um, you know, like, like it's very hard to get insurance if you're like under age 25, uh, or maybe you got like one bad thing on your driver's record mm -hmm. or something, and then sometimes you can't get insurance or it's insanely expensive. But really, the insurance should be proportionate to uh, how good you are as a driver, how safe you are as a driver, and so that's that's the sort of revolutionary element of Tesla insurance. Yeah, it was tough for me because I don't drive, I don't know how to drive, I never learned, and and you know, like being a first time driver. They go crazy high, and yeah, exactly. Louisiana being the highest, you know, they'll be like, it'll be kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's it's actually quite discriminatory that if, yeah. if, if you have um because it, yeah. because you got um they, they'll sort of just lump you in with every, everyone and statistically uh, like you like old new drivers, but like some new drivers are going to be much safer than others, mm -hmm. and it's a really insurance just be proportionate to how safe you drive, and that's our goal. So um, you've said before that Tesla might go into the mining industry. Um, is this something you're still considering? Uh, is it on the table or just in the back of your mind? Well, we we don't want to go into the mining industry or the the sort of refining industry for uh, you know because the the limitation I think is is actually more, for example, with lithium, it's more lithium refinement than it is mm -hmm. the actual mining. Um, so you've got to take the the or that contains lithium, and you've got to refine it and get it to battery grade uh, lithium hydroxide or lithium carbonate, and and that has to be extremely pure. Um, otherwise, uh, the, the 
you know, you, you can have um, a breakdown in, in the cell. Like you can't have like impurities in the cell because it, it, it will cause the cell to fail. Um, so, um, so, so the, the challenge in, in with, with a lot of the um, ingredients into lithium-ion batteries is, um, is, is, is the processing. It's not the fundamental rarity of lithium. Lithium is very common. It's, it's one of the most common elements on Earth. Uh, but, but you've got to turn it into battery-grade lithium, and that's um, so that, it's all of that processing. That, that's where the choke point is. Um, so, it, it, um, yeah, um, we, I, I hope we do not need to get into the mining business. I mean, it's, it's more to appreciate like this. There's a limited number of smart, hardworking people that we can say work on this problem or work on that problem. And so if we have people work on on this problem, they can't work on that problem. Right. And there's not like some magical source of super talented people. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so They got to be trained. There's at least something be passionate about it too. You know, it's got to be something they love. Yeah. Um, we're, we're not sitting, sitting around with, with idle resources saying, I wonder what more we can take on. <laughs> uh, we, 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 we have to sort of husband our resources and focus on things that, really um, move, make a difference. The, the overarching goal of Tesla t is to accelerate the advance of sustainable energy. Um, and the, the fundamental good of Tesla uh, will be measured or should be measured by how many years did we accelerate the advance of sustainable energy. Mm -hmm. And so we want to work on the things that, that accelerate sustainable energy the fastest, whatever the limiting factors are. Tesla recently had a virtual power plant. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about how uh, Tesla is working with ARCOT and the difference that it is making there? Like, yeah, I mean, we've got. I mean, there are three pillars to a sustainable energy future. Mm -hmm. uh, one is electric, electric transport. Uh, the other is uh, sustainable power generation, primarily through solar and wind. And then the third is uh, ba uh, stationary battery uh, energy storage, uh, because so the sun doesn't shine all the time and the wind doesn't blow all the time. So you gotta, uh, you know, um, store the energy while the sun is shining or the wind is blowing in the in the stationary batteries, and then those batteries provide power to the grid. Um, and, um, and and we, we can have a fully sustainable en uh, energy uh, earth just with those with those three things. Um, so, and Tesla is working on all those three things. Um, the stationary battery part is is a big deal, um, and um, we, we are ramping that up. It's going to be I think, a very big part of our business long term. Um, uh, it's it's just a, it's a very important part of the total energy solution for Earth. Um, our estimate is that uh, you need about. 300 terawatt hours of energy storage, or set it another 3,000 gigawatt hours. Sorry, 300,000 gigawatt hours. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, other people may come up with different numbers, but in order to fully transition to Earth, including uh, all electricity, transport, and, and heating, we think it's probably around, around that number. So uh, that, that's a lot of batteries that need to be get, get made. Yeah. Um, and if you assume a battery life before it gets recycled of 20 years, roughly, then you need 15 
terawatt hours a year of annual production to a steady state. So um, 15,000 gigawatt hours a year. Uh, but I think like a current production is much less than that. I think we might be approaching 1,000 gigawatt hours or thereabouts at this point. Um, and and you, you, this is like my sort of mass plan part three is about scaling. Like how do we scale uh, to get to, how, how, how do we get to that fully sustainable um, economy, fully, fully sustainable energy economy? Um, and, and, and what, what tonnage do we need of what materials and, and what is the, maybe the best way to get, get all of those materials and turn them into batteries. But the fundamental uh, governor of the rate at which we can transition to sustainability is the rate at which uh, we can grow the output of of, of lithium-ion batteries. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've been following along um, with the virtual power plants in ERCOT, and Gail has really been like covering mm -hmm. it on her blogs, too. Um, I think that's awesome. Um, mm -hmm. And if those go pretty well and ERCOT says, hey, we're going to allow VPPs now, um, I'd, I'd like to see them in the, across the Deep South, because I think like, the Deep South is kind of like the most neglected part, and we're like the hottest part of the country. And the most hardest hit, you know, with all the disasters and stuff, you know, we could like, you know, it would be cool to see Tesla and utilities partner up across in these areas as well to do demonstrations and workshops. Yeah, right, Gail? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> this is going to be a game changer yeah. for Texas. It's, I really I think Texas could lead in this, really. Yeah. I do. I think they're very receptive to it. Yeah, it's inspiring to see, yeah. you know, because Texas, you know, Texas grid is completely separate from every, like, the rest of the nation, and that's, like, its weakest part. I was just, we were talking about this last night, but that's, like, the weakest part of te te Texas is the grid, mm -hmm. and now here comes Tesla trying to strengthen that weakest part, you know. Yeah, the, the batteries are helpful even without sustainable energy because they can um, sort of load balance the, 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 the grid, so if you have power spikes, the batteries can absorb the the power spike if it sort of dips or so i should say if, 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 the, if there's a drop in power or, or an increase in power like you know power fluctuations the batteries can smooth it out um and so the the, the tesla sort of um mega pack and power walls and stuff can, can can be really helpful for stabilizing the grid even in the absence of uh sustainable energy yeah so, mm -hmm. um, yeah can you can you talk at all a little more about like the distributed energy resources or like how this factory could be protected in the event of a disaster or an emergency i, I think th i think there's going to be in terms of batteries a, a combination of of large batteries at the sort of utility scale batteries that mm -hmm. were with very big installations like we just did a big thing with pg e at moss landing in california mm -hmm. um which is going to be very important for uh maintaining um our uh in California, um, and there's a number of other installations happening. Um, and then at the local level, you've got the power walls that collectively can uh, stabilize the grid within a neighborhood. Um, so the combination of um, centralized batteries uh, with Megapack and distributed batteries at homes um, and businesses with the power wall um, working together can um, have very uh, positive effect in making sure the power stays on. Mm -hmm. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's actually pretty cool. It's really cool. Yeah. I think I I think it gives people hope. I think it, it does really bring happiness when we talk about how much we depend on energy. Yeah. For just about everything. Absolutely. Energy is the foundation of the economy. Yeah. Civilization would would crumble immediately mm-hmm. if we didn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There'd be mass starvation. Mm-hmm. Be terrible. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to quickly talk about the Tesla Justice. Um, first of all, it's about time. Like y'all should have been had that <laughs> of all the drama on, especially with all the like short selling and just all the stuff that they put people through. Yeah, um, I mean Tesla's just under a relentless attack from so many. It's quarters. crazy. Yeah, so, um, so I think like we just have to have like a strong litigation group that uh, fights back essentially. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. So, um, I, how's the planning on that? Is is there anything you could share um, about that? Um, yeah, we're, um, a, a lot of really talented um, lawyers have uh, sort of sent in their resume or uh and and we're actually going through that and we're going to be hiring a bunch of people who responded to my, my tweet that's good yeah yes. Congrats. We, we definitely need to start we, we're under just constant attack it's yeah, insane. yeah. It, it is yeah. i you are yeah the, the conspiracies i see on twitter from people who like really hate you and hate tesla are just nuts like you can come up with some good satire. I mean, they really have to twist themselves into a pretzel here. I mean, like, <laughs> it's like, what exactly, what diabolical thing do they think? I'm like in the factory trying to make. The, You're our, building cars. Yeah, like you can just literally see it. Yeah. You know? It's not like, uh, you know, you know. Like, uh, how bad but, is I mean, the, the short sellers would like try to at one point like say that oh you know Giga Shanghai is fake and it's not it's not I remember real. that and and, and, and it's, they said it was a field of mud yeah, it, it was uh, I but, mean it was but, at one time it was but... one time but then we we made it a factory on it yeah <laughs> um, don't change yeah. So they were trying to say that was fake and like it's well it's it's not fake if you can if it's, it's like it's a people have drone videos and like stuff they you know and, 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 and tons of cars are coming out of it. So, yeah. and the main reason why I think like, people like, did the drama so, so was just crazy. to prove that it was there, you know, at the, to fight the flood and the negativity. Yeah. you know, that's what that thing. And the drama videos were really important. Yeah, you know. And then they said that the, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. They said that like Giga Berlin wouldn't get built and like we wouldn't get approvals. And yeah, like, we're like making a thousand cars a week. That's, that's, that's congratulations, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Good, yeah. but I mean, it's just like a lot of great hard work people at Tesla mm-hmm. and. um you know, so because uh, it's actually really hard to make cars, <laughs> so the whole supply chain and production process is extremely difficult. Um, as you probably heard me say before, it's like relatively speaking, making a prototype is easy. Um, you know, we can make a prototype of practically anything in six months with maybe a hundred people, but to get that to volume production um, and try to have the price be as affordable as possible. Um, it, um, you know, to have sort of positive gross margins, so you're not operating at a loss. Uh, that is that takes ten thousand people at least two years, and that's faster than uh, that's like two to three times faster than the rest of industry. So it's vastly more difficult to manufacture than to create prototypes. <laughs> like it's like not even remotely comparable. Mm-hmm. Um, like in general, I think manufacturing is underrated, um, and like. Manufacturing used to be really cool in, in the U.S. and then it like became, for some reason, I think, kind of uncool for like mm-hmm. quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And we're and we're just uh, a lot of talented people 
went in other directions. Um, but I, I sure hope a lot more talented people get into manufacturing because um, that's like, you know, where you're making the products that people, you know, use and enjoy. It's like, you know, it's like I, I could just generally think um, this is both both a compliment and a criticism, but there are there are too many smart Americans in finance and law. <laughs> so I'm saying they're smart, <laughs> but I'm also saying that, that could they could could they consider doing be doing manufacturing instead of finance or law? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I think we we have we have probably too many lawyers in the, in the United States and 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 too many people in finance and uh, and their talents could, would would just be much better uh, applied to manufacturing. So yeah, like making stuff people yes. need and 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 love. What is the next step in EV technology that would make it even friendlier um, to the environment and better for the economy? What do you think that is? I, I think it's, it's really just about scaling up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, can we make enough? Like right now, we cannot make enough cars to satisfy demand. So, we, we're going to grow production capacity. And looking ahead, we need to make sure that, like I said, the raw materials from a mining and refining standpoint are there to support the future growth. Um, and the, the really lim the limiting factor is the rate at which we can increase uh, battery production. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the that's that's what really matters. Um, I wouldn't say that there's like some. I, I don't see. I don't. I don't think there's any technology breakthrough needed. It's about scale. Mm. And it's a tremendous amount of work. So let's talk about AI and Optimus. Um, so I know very little about AI and what I've learned, I've learned from you and Tesla, actually, um, people that told me four years ago, Hey, you're going to be interviewing Elon Musk about AI. I would have looked at you like you lost your mind, <laughs> sure. right? Yeah. That's how like little I know, but I'm learning and I am curious, how close do you think we are to general intelligence or are we already there? Well, I, I don't think we're quite there for artificial general intelligence in the sense, if, if that's defined as, um, intelligence that exceeds humans in every way. Okay. Um, so we're not quite there yet, but we are headed in that. I mean, we're, you know, if progress continues, that's what will happen. We'll have digital intelligence that exceeds human intelligence in every way. Um, and I hope that that the the AI is nice to us. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> what are the chances? Uh, I, I, I hope so. Nice. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I've lost a lot of sleep thinking about AI as a an existential risk. Uh, eventually, I'm like, I don't know what. I, I think we're just gonna hope that it's good and try to steer it in a good direction. And I think there probably should be a regulatory agency that oversees uh, advanced AI uh, because it's a public safety uh, risk. And and generally, where you've got a public safety risk, you you, you want to have regulatory oversight. Um, just makes it sure no no companies are cutting corners or doing unsafe things type of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's advancing quickly. Um, you know, for Tesla, we're we're just kind of looking for the kind of AI that can drive way safer than a human, and we're I think we're uh, almost there. Um, but but that's just, that's a sort of simple. That's like a utility that's a utility function. So it's a, it's a hard problem, but it's I think it's like the car is not going to sort of suddenly decide it wants to take over the world. You know, 
Um, yeah. It's really just going to want to take you to a destination. <laughs> the uh, Babylon, uh, was it the Babylon? It was Babylon B, right? The Tesla cars take you to work against your will or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the funny. idea of it actually, like if you pass out, then it taking you to the hospital and just, yeah. you know, yeah. just to the ER, you know, and I yeah. just like honk, honk until it so, gets, yeah. yeah, literally, I that's, that's, uh, I think, I think the, car, the car will be, if, if, if you have like a, a like, you know, a heart attack or, or yeah. stroke or something's wrong, a seizure, the car can, can figure that out and, and take you to. Yeah, that uh, would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Save lives. Yeah, yeah, totally. It already does, but yeah, save more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's already like a lot of a lot of cases where people have like, um, you know, uh, fainted or, or just otherwise just lost, mm-hmm. you know, lost consciousness. The seizure uh, one. Seizures. Yeah, seizures, absolutely. Um, and because the car was on autopilot, they're they're alive. And and uh, if they didn't have autopilot, they, they might be dead, or they might have run someone over. Yeah. And I remember, and I actually wrote an article about this. Um, you were actually inspired by auto um, by an accident that happened. Yeah. I think it was in 2014 yeah. to create this. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, the one of the things that really uh, convinced me that we need to um, go as fast as possible with um, autonomy um, it was that uh, we had a Tesla owner uh, in the Bay Area. He, he fell asleep at the wheel um, and uh, ran over a cyclist and killed the cyclist. Um, and I was like, well, if, the, if, that, if that car had been on autopilot, that cyclist would still be alive. So we got to hustle and, and, and make autopilot work. Um, and then more recently, um, a terrible tra- tragedy. J.B. Straubel's wife was run over. Uh, I remember killed, but, that, yeah. yeah. The, the, again, sort of a driver, a, a truck driver, fell. I think fell asleep uh, on the opposite side of the road, and the truck veered across the road, and she was cycling on the, the far side of the road, and she got killed by the truck. Yeah, my heart um, went out to him. Yeah, that's, I remember reading that. It was just horrible to read. You know? Yeah. So, um, you know, this is directly affecting people we know. It's not like people we don't know, you know, it's like, it's a, anyway, so I think if, if that, so if that truck had been on, um, on autopilot, you know, JP's wife would still be alive. So mm-hmm. we, we, we gotta, we gotta, it's an important life-saving technology. There's over a million people that die every year in, in car accidents. And I think on about 10 million that are severely injured, like, like, you, you know, where you like lose a limb or, mm-hmm. or have, have severe pain for the rest of your life type of thing. Um, and, um, you know, so, so there's a lot of good that can be done with autonomy. Cause I think, I think we'd probably improve those, uh, th- things by a factor of 10, like make it 10 times better at least. I will tell you, um, FSB beta kind of saved my life. Uh, when I came back, all right. So when I flew back from Austin, from the cyber rodeo, I t- my neighbor was supposed to pick me up. They had an emergency and I said, okay, I'm going to just call it Uber. And my Uber driver was a Tesla owner with FSD beta. And he actually followed me on Twitter. And we were just kind of like, it was like a Spider-Man meme almost, but without us being each other. And so FSD beta took me home from the airport um, in Baton Rouge. And along the way, two cyclists literally like came out of nowhere. It was like it popped up out of the street or something. And it handled it beautifully, flawlessly. And I was like, man, I wish we could have gotten this on video, yeah. you know, like, but I wasn't even expecting to be in FSD Bay and I just came off a flight and, you know, I just wanted to get home, you know, so, but it was cool. And it happened like one right after the other. And then uh, it saw a pedestrian on the other side of the street that looked like they were trying to cross. So it slowed down to a stop. But it was really cool. 
kind of experiencing that and seeing the car just like, oh, I see you. I'm going to stop for you. You know, um, it was really cool, you know, and we didn't see the cyclist had had it been him driving. Who knows what would have happened? Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, it's, uh, it's been tragic. Yeah. Not, um, not for, I'm pretty sure we would have been fine with those cyclists. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tesla Autopad and, and, and FSD have saved a lot of lives and prevented a lot of injuries already. Yeah. It has. It really has. There's so many stories. Like, and that's why I don't get like all these news stories talking about, oh, this car just killed somebody on AI or whatever, on uh, autopilot. And I'm like, no, it, they don't kill people. Like, that whole thing is like, and it frustrates me because I'm like, if you do your research, yeah. you see more stories of Tesla saving lives and not taking them. You know, in fact, I don't think there's any case that is actually actively took a life the way they well, make it out to be. It's, 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 it's certainly not in the sense that like the, the car steered itself into a tree like, yeah. up, out of nowhere type of thing. That That's not uh, to the best of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um the, obviously, like basic autopilot is not meant to be a full self driving, and we, you know, we right. you have to acknowledge every time you use it that you still need to pay attention to the road because it's not ready for yet for uh, it's 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 not ready it's it's not it's not ready yet where you can't pay attention. We say every time you enable it, uh, we pop up a message saying you must pay attention to the environment. Um, so, um, but the, but it's it's also important to say like. Um, Autopilot or full self-driving, uh, it will not mean that uh, accidents go to zero. It's not possible if you have a lo- you know low of large numbers and billions of miles traveled that you that it's perfect. Perfect is not it's not possible. Um, what really matters is is it substantially safer than a person driving on average, and that is the case. So the, the but you know when we started out on the sort of autopilot self-driving path. Um, I was warned by a lot of people that it's like, even if you save uh, 90% of the lives, the 10% of the lives you didn't save will still sue you. And that's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. The people that whose lives were saved, they don't know the lives were saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> well, know. sometimes they do, but. But you're still yeah. doing it, though. You're still yeah, yeah. doing it. And that's my, you know, I, I think still, it's It's still the right thing to do, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And that, that speaks a lot about your character and, of course, Tesla's character as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. we always want to do. The the you know the reality of goodness should be favored obviously above the perception of it. I just want to share a special thank you to Elon Musk, Tesla, and his teams for not only allowing me to visit Giga Texas again, but to interview Elon. I think his work is important for humanity. Elon is somebody inspired by the problems that the majority of us don't even think about as we go about our daily lives. I learned a lot from interviewing him, and my hope is that you do as well. His dedication and his passion for his work is inspiring for all of us. And it reminds us that we all have a purpose in life, something that brings us the sense of fulfillment and of doing what you're here to do. Elon Musk has done a lot of good in this world, and I'm honored that he joined me here on Getting Stone, a podcast about gems and minerals most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is Getting Stone.